从前有个山，山上有个庙，庙里有个小和尚，哦，不是老和尚，老和尚会讲故事。Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Training Out Podcast. Hello everyone. Tianyu, how's it going? I'm good. I'm tired. How was how was everything last week? Do you want to talk about? Give、sure. a brief recap. <laughs> I so、um, I went to a lot of trials for volleyball. Is this because this is like the only trials week, trial season? No, I'm actually pretty late for the trials.、Oh. Trials, yeah, a lot of trials have already ended.、Um, so the ones that I went to is like the second or the third one. What made you go? What made you want to go? <laughs> well, you told me just to go because I, I was kind of scared of COVID, right? But、um, no, that's <laughs> not. I don't think so. I think it's just because. You lacked a little bit of no, a motivation. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. Trust me. I wanted her to play. Okay. But um, but you know, the cases here is eight thousand, nine thousand a day.、Mm. That's quite a lot if you think about it. Eight thousand. Yes,、people. but the systems is not allowing us to. It's encouraging us to live like normal. Yeah. Well. Quote unquote. That thought scares my parents. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but did you actually have legitimate worries that you、yeah. about it? Yeah. Like, are you scared of getting COVID? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because for me, I've never really been scared of getting COVID myself. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, because you don't live with anyone. No, 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 no. Just because I think we're young and the situation seemed kind of inevitable. Well, you're not、anyways. living with your parents. Like, if I like, if you're living with your parents or someone that's in the da- in the danger zone. Our parents are not really at the age. They're 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 over fifty over over fifty, right? Yeah, that's, that's more risk. I know it's not <laughs> dangerous, but it's、yeah. more at risk. Well, but why? But but why would you risk that?、Mm, it's not really risking. Anyway, just... anyway, like we're getting off the topic again. What the hell?、Um, so yeah, so volleyball、um, trials. So I trialed for three, four different teams. They're all really good. It was partially also because I haven't played for like yeah two months,、mm. and、um, yeah, I'm quite rusty. And my physique, my stamina, and my power, my jump is certainly not not up to their standards.、Mm, okay, not up to my standards. How、well. did you feel after the trials? I felt、everything? that I could definitely do better if I if I keep kept playing during the two months, but um. Yeah, my body wasn't ad-、uh, like adapting to just just go because we didn't have any warm up or anything. Oh, we we didn't really have a warm up session or like just hitting balls freely. We just went to the, went to went to the deep end because people there they have been playing volleyball throughout the holidays,、mm. and、um, yeah, it was it was quite the deep end, and I'm just quite happy that I didn't get injured.、Mm. Okay, we'll see how it goes.、Mm. How was your week? It was、uh, busy, but like the kind of busy,、um, the kind of busy week when you have when you are going around having lots of different things to do, but you never feel like you、um, completely focused on one task that you really want to achieve. Does that make sense? Is that confusing? So I had lots of different events, different things last week.、Um, I had the PhD stuff,、uh, but also quite a lot of training.、Um, so we had, I had 
one, two, three, four, four or five training sessions for uh, the academic advisor role that I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago. Um, and yeah, it was actually pretty intense, even though it's online. They kind of bombarded us with lots of new information. We need to get our heads around on how to help uh, the students pick their, not only their um, subjects, but also uh, what kind of extracurriculars they can engage in, how to encourage them, uh, what kind of other career pathway options they can uh, uh, consider and how to actually plan yeah, for the future, for, for their whole life. Mm. <laughs> but not only the uni life and events, but also other things that they can encourage, they're encouraged to engage in. And besides academic advisor, I had a uh, lot of leap classes or well, not that many. I didn't, um, want to, uh, overstretch this week because I was busy, but I did go to my leap classes, my exercise classes. Um, I went well with you actually this week. Yeah. Um, so there yeah. was a Valentine's um, special where you can bring your partner to to a session. So we signed up for a Friday session. No. Oh, no, not a Friday session, Thursday session. Was no, it? we went on Wednesday. A uh, Wednesday session, sorry. Yeah, and that was um, the only day when you didn't have um, Yeah, that, that was trial. the only... So, so I, w- I was at volleyball trials on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Mm. And Wednesday was supposed to be my day taking a rest. <laughs> then Catherine supposed... <laughs> well, she just brought me to, to her Pilates class. Pilates is not too bad, though. I, I know, I know. Yeah. It, like, it wasn't too bad, but... um. You know, rest day, should, you shouldn't have to do anything. <laughs> but you agreed to it and you said it was good. Yeah, yeah. It, like it wasn't, it was better than, than I, like it, than I a- anticipated. Mm. And it wasn't hard or anything. Mm. Uh, probably because also I just tried to slow down. I didn't want to destroy my muscles for the next day. Yeah, that is the thing about going for an open level Pilates class. And yeah, but yeah, if I, it. but if that, if, if that was the only thing, if that was the only fitness thing that I imagined myself doing, I feel like the intensity wouldn't be as wouldn't be as intense as I would want. It. Of course, yeah, mm. yeah. So that's why it's I only go to Pilates once a week. It helps me with like posture and thinking about how to move, use, utilize my muscles properly, um, adjust you know, things here and there. And also the other thing about open level. So let me explain quickly. Open level Pilates basically refers to anyone from beginner to pro can join and the instructor will offer you different options regarding the intensity and the difficulty level of each move, basically. Mm. And of course, you know, people who... I don't think a lot of people would choose only doing Pilates, but if they do, they can uh, definitely go up the level just like any other fitness event fitness like any other sport basically Mm. um yeah and for me i treat pilates as just my toning exercise and then i also do other classes to engage that that was so that's what i feel like also like you can't replace that with weights yeah or cardio yeah yeah Yeah. like that's although although actually like i shouldn't say that's completely true because you can do cardio on the Pilates machine and you can add in a lot of um, like more weights. I know you yeah. can, but I don't think it's going to be a replaceable for weights. Oh, you haven't seen the kind of moves. No, no, no like, like can I, I can though. see how if like if you add, add more strings, springs, sorry, 
and um, it, it will be more difficult, like in terms of like your like your weight and stuff. Mm. But I don't see it. <laughs> for example, like um, chest. Mm. Um, there, for example, like chest. Yeah, if you go to the gym, like if you go to a personal trainer, there are three muscle fibers for three main muscle fibers: upper chest, mid chest, and lower chest. I don't see how one single Pilates machine can can target all because you've only done one lesson. I know, I know, I know, I know. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it would be. I think it's just going to be easier if you just go onto the weights. But I, mm. but I agree that for, for like for toning and for like um, for avoiding injuries and you know just to overall muscle goodness, I'll say, mm. yeah, it's a it, it, it was a good session. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think it was really fun. Mm. Um, yeah, besides, oh, but but but, yeah. but there was one exercise that I didn't really feel good about. It was the it was the shoulder thing because. So it, it was like basically pulling the spring and, and, well, and moving the shoulder. Well, that's the thing with one. supervised classes. You're supposed to tell your instructor that you're not yeah, feeling yeah, right. The, yeah, so, sh- so she told us to have our elbows p- perpendicular to our shoulders. Yeah, cactus arms. Yeah, and basically move inwards to the body. But if I do that, even like I, I'm at the gym also, like this, like my shoulders will click. And the reason for that is that your sh- everyone's shoulder is structured a di- like a little too differently. Mm. Some people like more downwards shoulder and some like more upwards shoulder. Mm. And I find myself downwards a little bit better. So I, just move my, so, so I just move my elbow down a bit. And that's a little bit better for me. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely, it should be personalized mm. exercising. Yeah. So I think that's fine. And... Yeah, usually we would just raise the issue mm. with the instructor, and but it was fun. It was fun. It. it was a fun experience. I, I I never experienced it. It was fun. I recommend it for okay, everyone. Okay, now you are being very rambly. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, what else? Yeah, Korean was getting a lot harder because it was the third week. Um, Have you guys finished with the uh, alphabets? Of course, we finish alphabet in the first lesson okay, because okay. Korean alphabet is relatively simple. Okay. It's probably the simplest out of ja- uh, Japanese, Chinese, oh, really? and Korean. Yeah, if you consider the three. Okay, okay. Yeah. They have the least number of oh, really? alphabet characters and also uh, just a super simple system compared okay. to the other two languages. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, and what else did I have to juggle? Um, uh, we had the first meeting for lab demonstrators, which are going to start soon in about two weeks time. It'll be my first time doing lab demonstrations. And yeah, oh yeah, I did a lot of like administrative induction kind of works for that, um, online and offline. Yeah. So it was just a lot of running around juggling different things for me last week. Do you know what's your Um, first prac about? Oh yeah. I have the whole manual and I also have, answers to all the questions (laughs) okay yeah um yeah which is what they do and yeah it was just are you gonna mark students reports essays oh i'm not sure there might be some i need to check double check but there might be some marking involved um oh yes and i and i last week also i did the um the lentis test for high school teachers Mm. It was a teacher, like it, like it was this exam where you are tested. Why for is your, it called lentis? 
literacy and numeracy for tertiary. I don't know, something along, like it's a short, short word. Acronym. Yeah, acronym. And um, it's basically like a test for, if you want to be a teacher, that, that, that you have to pass this test. Mm. It's like testing your literacy and your, and your numeracy skills. Mm. Did you pass? Um, I don't know, like you get the results around April. Oh, it takes so long? Yeah, for a computer-based exam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, that's so weird. <laughs> and um, uh, and I thought a lot of them was like a multiple choice. It, it is. Like, like all of them are multiple choice, basically. And those that Why are multiple so choice, <laughs> and those that are multiple choice, are only in the numeracy section where mm. you have to type your actual answers in. There has been a lot of discussions for that that Lancy's exam. Like people are stressing a, a lot about the exam. Like people say that they have like exam and like anxieties, and mm. a lot of English teacher had had difficulties passing the like the math section. Mm. And I didn't really th- feel like the math section was hard at all. And um, yeah, I agree with w- with w- with one of the comment. If you can't pass a language, you shouldn't be a teacher, because I do feel like that's kind of like the bare min- minimum mm. that a teacher should hold. Yeah, it was basically year nine math and year nine English. But how do you? I feel like you're looking at a very niche population. To you know, make that judgment about test anxiety and not being able to do the test because if you think about the overall, how many people are taking the test and how many are passing, um, does that I like what what's the um pass rate? Do you know? They actually don't release the pass rate, but if you want to pass, you have to be um in, in your numeracy level and your in your literacy level, the top thirty percent of the Australians. And that is not that high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they they adjust their pass level accordingly to every year's exam. Mm. But I mean, I don't see myself failing it. Hopefully, <laughs> um, yeah. Mm, okay. Because I actually did not take my, I actually didn't rush the exam, and I finished both exam with like one hour spare. Mm-mm. No, um, interesting comment, but I feel like I don't think that many people would have found this hard. Otherwise, we would Actually, have like a shortage of teachers. We do have a shortage of teachers, but this is not the barrier. This is one of the barriers. Yeah, like a lot of teachers. Um, okay, so the main thing about people having, um, what you call, Kongi for this like protest. Exam. Not protest. It's like hate yeah. this test. Okay. It, That's one is protesting against it. <laughs> one is that um, it should be a prerequisite for teaching courses rather than a prerequisite for teaching career, because some teachers after they crack after they and find themselves wanting a job, but they are informed that they have to take this test, and they did not pass the test for like the two, for for like two years. And they they can't be a teacher for for the for the for the two years basically, and so people say that it should be a requisite for, for the teaching courses rather than the actual career. Mm. And the second thing is that it costs a lot, and that's one like thing all that tests do. yes, it's like it's very very expensive. Anyways, mm. but I found it okay, and yeah, okay. We'll see how you go. Mm. <laughs> Hopefully, I pass. Yeah, final thing is I did record. A podcast episode last week. Yeah, talk about it. For、uh, we've done the research, and that's basically a、um, 
Should we link? Maybe we'll link in the comments. What do they talk about generally? Just like oh, it's a, okay. So generally, uh, the podcast, like its name says, we've done the research,、mm. is a podcast that interviews, I think, PhD students or、okay. HDR students, okay, high degree research students,、um, about their research、um, and why they became a researcher in any field. Yeah, any field. Okay. I believe so. Yeah, because it was open application to all HDR students,、um, and yeah, the hosts are really nice,、uh, and I think overall the idea is quite nice. So they had, so they told me that they had some inspiration from the、uh, COVID outbreak, where you know we see a lot of news on TV every day bombarding us with quote unquote scientific information,、um, uh, saying, research opinions, right? Yeah, saying yeah. that we've done the research about this and blah 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 blah. You know, like and yeah, so they wanted to maybe.、Um, First of all, increase improve scientific communication.、Um, you know, maybe debunk some theories for some people, <laughs> and yeah, just make it more accessible for everyone to learn about science.、Mm. What kind of questions did they ask you? Are they mainly research focused or no? It's actually quite personal life focused. Uh, it's a mix of both, but、um, the general audience is the public. You know,、okay. so. Um, the questions about research are kept.、Um, I wouldn't say simple, but kept quite open at least. So,、um, and yeah, we were told to minimize using scientific jargon and try to、right. use simple Because, language. Yeah. yeah, to make it more accessible. And it was really a mix between decisions about. Why going pursuing a research okay, career, okay. and also what your research is actually about? What stage are you at?、Um, okay, and there was also a Q and A session as well. Okay, are there、mm. is there any questions that they ask you that you are very feel like oh that was a good question?、Mm, I think um what uh what's most memorable for me was um. That they were quite,、um, how do I say? They really do focus on.、Um, uh, so I was a bit thrown off, I guess, by questions、um, about how to actually approach this. Like, what are some actionable things people can take on board regarding、For、protect、research. them、oh. protecting themselves against skin cancer? Okay. Yeah. Whereas the things I had in mind、uh, or was. Kind of preparing myself for were very just my usual lab meeting content kind of. Okay. When I explain really right, because what that's my not really your research is about, right? Protective.、Skin. But it's very relevant. It is like it is relevant, but yeah, and yeah. very、uh, I guess a lot closer to heart for the general public. Okay. To、yeah. take on action advice, right? Actionable advice. Yeah, and that was like towards the end. Okay.、Uh, yeah. Wrapping things together. So what? So, so so what did you say? Oh, I did freak out on that because it was actually a question from、um, a Twitter follower, and her question was actually.、Uh, so she said she's from Southeast Asia, and there's very few cases there.、Um, you know, what do you think about this? Why is that? And yeah, I didn't really like my answer to that question because I feel like I、um, to explain it, I said there's ethical differences, ethnic. Ethnical, yeah, ethnical differences. You mean、ethical. by、um, 
Racial. Okay, so white people liked tan skins and Asian people likes pale skins. Uh, no, that's that's beauty standards. I'm talking about genetics. Okay, okay. So sure. the fact that white people have less um, melanin production in okay. their skin cells, I guess you could say. Yeah, so naturally having less protection against UV radiation and therefore yeah. having a increased risk um, of developing cancerous mutations. You did not like your answer for that one? Yeah, and also in terms of actionable advice, I guess there is, I just focused on sunscreen and skin check, paying attention to um, family history, that kind of stuff. It, I just felt a little bit thrown off, but Ooh. also very necessary. <laughs> yeah. Why? What I think you, you missed one thing, just to keep in the shades. Because Dr. But Mike, that's not true because, oh yeah, they asked me a question that I thought was very good, which was between, um, like how many, how long can we be in the sun uh, that gives us enough vitamin mm. D and also is not too dangerous yep. in terms of risk mm. um, to skin cancer. And uh, yeah, I didn't have the number on top of my head. Of course you can't. I didn't even look it up. Wait, actually, I still don't know it now. You don't need... I had this idea that it's around one hour or half an hour to an hour or something like that. But it also depends on what kind of day, you know, if it's a super sunny day (laughs) versus a rainy day. It also depends on what kind of diet you have. Because Uh, you can get vitamin D from your diet as well. It doesn't have to be sun. I think it's 100% sun because it's cholesterol turned into... Isn't it fish also got vitamin D? Quickly checking. Like seafood got vitamin D. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because people f- uh, find more vitamin D t- t- deficient are the people that does not live around the coast. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but Australia is an interesting case because we actually do not have uh, the right UV ray to help us turn our cholesterol into vitamin D. And that's why... Okay a major percentage of the population is vitamin D deficient. Like it's too high? Deficient. Okay. No, it's not too high. So um, there's two kind of UV UV radiations. Hold on, let me double check. Two type of UV radiations? Really? I thought just have different frequency. Got to touch up on my chem. (laughs) No. Okay, so generally there's two types. There's UVA and UVB. Because we have the ozone hole problem over here, um, yeah, we actually do not have UVB radiation at all. So, yeah, so that basically means we do not have the right race to help us convert cholesterol into vitamin D. Question, ozone hole, isn't it in Antarctica? No, it's... Above Australia as well. Because what I learned is also um, Antarctica has uh, most prone to the ozone hose because it's got most chlorine and fluorine trapped inside the icebergs. Pardon? Is there ozone hose in Australia? Yeah. Okay, okay. I, 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 did, I, like, I did not know that. Oh. Um... I thought we just have very, 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 very sunny days. <laughs> no, we don't have UVB. Okay, okay, I didn't know that. Pretty sure. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, this is... Um, hmm, interesting. Okay, so, turns out... Stop rubbing your toes. Why? 
？没有，他就是咬。嗯 ，Okay. So the ozone layer is depleted in two ways. Firstly, the ozone layer in the mid latitude. E.g., over Australia, is thinned, leading to more UV radiation reaching the Earth.、Okay. And ozone is supposed to be actually protective of the short wavelength in UVB band. Yes. Um. Etc. Etc. And also, you know, the other way that the ozone is thinned is uh the layer over Antarctic. And to a lesser extent, the Arctic,、uh, which is dramatically thin, dramatically thin in spring, only in spring though.、Yep. And the thing about vitamin D deficiency, it seems that actually an estimated thirty-one、um, percent of adults in Australia have inadequate vi- vitamin D status. Uh, due to factors, well, at least according to Wikipedia, which probably needs to be fact checked. But interestingly, it says that it's due to factors such as the long-term success of some smart government campaign, like Slip Slop Slap, as well as Cancer Council Australia, that have increased the general public's awareness of risks associated with excessive sun exposure. So it's saying that because we're too protective, we don't stay in the sun often enough that's not that we're losing. That's not true. Vitamin D. That doesn't. Okay, I see. Mm. So the people that's more aware of those skin cancer, like we've been saying, skin cancer is a huge problem. Yeah,、here. it is. It is a huge, huge problem. But but those that、mm. don't really give a shit about skin cancer still go, go like guys to the beach in the very, very sun, sunny weather and sunbathe, right? What are you saying? What's your point? It's、so? just like two two extremes. Yeah, but but if they go to sunbathe, they can still put on sunscreen. Mm, okay. If they use sunscreen pro- pro-、yeah, properly, it should be enough. I want to say no, but sure. I don't know the stats behind it because from a video, sunscreen that I is supposed to. If you use it effectively, it's like condoms. If you use it properly, it should. I know, I know, but the best way to protect yourself against skin cancer is by staying in the shade. Because then、indoor. you don't risk not、exactly. using sunscreen improperly, inappropriately. <laughs> well, okay, sure, yeah, yeah. Because it's actually two types of sun sunscreens as well. You can use the physical one, which is super strong.、Mm, okay.、Mm, it's made of zinc something. Yeah. Don't know. Zinc based sunscreen or something. Yeah.、Um, Such so long ago since I learned that. It's okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, it was a really interesting experience, but I was a little bit disappointed by how I did. But it was still like lots of lesson to be learned. Uh, which is so. I've always been interested in doing more scientific communication and increasing public awareness and that kind of doing the bridging work, which I think is super important. It is. It is. I I do think like this is the next big industry. I've never known how to approach it previously, though, and I from this experience I learned that I really do have to use different language and do、okay. have to think differently, approach the issue. Right. Differently. Question: Are the hosts are there hosts or hosts? Hosts. Hosts. Are they are they scientifically fluent? Like, are they well scientifically educated? Yeah, I believe one of them is a current PhD student. The other one is a has her doctorate already. Okay, right. Are they in a science field? I think closely related to science right, field. Right. Okay. So they kind of deliberately Or, construct their questions for the general public, rather than be more in depth 
try to dig a little deeper. We, I did try to bring in some deeper discussion Stuff. as okay. well. Like for example, what actually is immunotherapy? How does it work? Right. Um, and what else? Uh, what's the problem with it? What do we? What am I trying to solve? Basically. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it definitely um, does involve giving your research a proper justification. Right. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, mm, you do need to be more aware that you're trying to communicate with a different audience to the usual, to your normal one. Okay. Yeah, which is super interesting. And this week, we're actually going to talk about our podcast slash <laughs> other recommendations. Podcast slash books or just basically anything. Great transition. <laughs> Whoa. Took a right sharp turn. <laughs> okay. No, we were talking about podcasts and like... I thought right. it would be good okay. to share our sure. podcast recommendation. So because this doing this podcast is hopefully to influence others, so we want to talk about what has influenced us. Mm. Okay. Yeah, what podcast has influenced us? And uh, do you want to start? Because okay, we I have a lot more podcasts. Right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I share similar ones with you. Because well. I don't read. Um, so the main so the main type of information that I take. Why do you think podcasts are easy, more accessible to you than reading? It's like I can multitask while listening to podcasts. It makes it easier. So does that mean you would be more willing to take audiobooks? Yes, except yes. that it's not free. Um, I listen to to like free. I, I do. I do listen to audiobooks. Yeah, but most are not free. Otherwise, would you be listening to more audiobooks than yeah, podcasts? Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, no. You know, audiobooks, books in general are constructed in a way to be informal, especially like particularly for nonfiction books, right? What do you mean informal? Like informative. Oh, uh, nonfictions. They are designed, they are written. I don't think informal. so. I have a perfect example against it. Actually, okay, in my autobi book autobiographies, you mean? Yeah. Okay, autobiographies is a different story. I wouldn't treat that as nonfiction. I would treat that. Even though it's a real life story, I would treat it as a story instead of being self-help books. I'm talking about self-help books, especially. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So podcast, I'd like to take information in between two people having a conversation. Mm. And especially if the host is not well um, educated on the subject, uh, because oh, he will increase accessibility. He would be, be more um, open to ask stupid questions, just quote unquote stupid, just like a <laughs> like, like a quotation, like more basic questions. True. And, um, but if it's a secondary source, how do you fact check things? Because the ah, the most plus of the for me. Okay. The plus for me for books and you know peer reviewed journal articles that kind of mm. primary um, resources, yeah. The plus for me is definitely peer review process and fact checking. Yeah, most of the time the podcast that I listen to is often the author of a certain book come onto the podcast, trying to kind of summarize, try, try to dissect. Try, yeah, trying to dissect or talk about the books even more mm. or basically give a very general summary of the book or his views. That's ten that's tend to Does that make time. you want to read the book after listening yes, to the does. pod? Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. Um there are also sometimes where I feel like the book, okay, I kind of get the general idea of the book. In mm. the book, 
like actually one of them would just said this so this is basically my general summary of the book if you want to know more about like the like the actual examples that i give you could like you should read the book but if that's like if that's all that you want to hear that's basically my main idea and you don't need to buy the book hmm. and that book is called i'll teach you to be rich Hmm, interesting. Yeah. I think these days people use social media and podcast platforms too. Everyone uses, every writer uses them to promote yeah, their work. Exactly. And I don't actually know how I feel about it because a lot of them do like, you know, short TikTok videos mm. and kind of uh, it introduce the question, the problem without giving you an answer to try and bait you into buying the book. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ali said, Ali Abdal said this. Um, thing called he learned this from a book writer called Ryan Holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, Show your work. Ryan Holiday, I think, is a stoic, stoic like think about stoics. Google. Yeah, don't worry about this. Um, but he said that a book is like the writing the book maybe will take you two or three years, mm. but the real work starts when you actually publish the book. You got to work around your book. <laughs> you got to build your website. You got to build your talks. You got to build your conference. You're like you got to pub like trying to make your book more accessible to everyone. Like the real work mm. actually starts when you publish the book. True, interesting. And things just gonna be two times speed after you publish your, your book because when you don't publish your book, when you're still writing, does that your book, only apply to books that sell well though? If you want your books to sell well, or if you are having a plan that this will be a big hit, sure. Yeah, so I feel like it's not applicable to every book. Of course, it's not applicable to every book. Okay, so my podcast recommendation, first of all, is absolutely the Tim Ferriss show. It opened Mm. the door for me to so many different other resources, authors, um, blog posts. How did you come across it in the first place? How did I come across it? Ali's recommendation. Okay. Yeah, that's all. Okay. I heard of the name Tim Ferriss before, but I didn't really pay attention to it before because, you know, I was kind of stupid. And um, now I, I can kind of more appreciate how he is really good at what he does. And yeah, his questions are ge- are genuinely really, really easy to follow. Mm. And yeah, it's very intellectually challenging. It's somewhat in- intellectually challenging. And yeah, I... Do you um, want to give a brief overview of what the show what the podcast is about it's basically tim ferris trying to dissect um um well world-class performers yeah world-class performers in every single aspect it could Mm. be basketball players it could be philosophers it could be marine biologists anything like that Mm -hmm. yeah and um the second one is called wait hold on i have another question like What about, is there any favorite episodes? Do you think every episode is the same quality and as engaging to you? Um, I think everybody finds certain episodes engaging for themselves. Yeah. So any and, particular um, podcast that you think of super memorable or like your, just your favorite episodes, sorry, not podcast, your favorite episodes? Mikio Kaku one I find is really interesting. His okay. interview with the physicist Mikio Kaku. Mm. And Why so? It's just very interesting to listen to. Uh, well, And he also talks about scientific communication. Yeah, yeah. And what makes a great podcast, Tim Ferriss that doesn't always host a great podcast. Mm. Um, it very depends on the guest. Shit. 
<laughs> huh? I just stuffed up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, because Tim Ferriss is a very well good talker and he uses his language really well. He's really <laughs> engaging. And if you have a guest like Binkyo Kaku who does scientific communication as his job and he, talk, <laughs> and he just talks so well and their conversation is so engaging and it's basically talking about how what is science what what is the scientific knowledge and what is scientific research and thinking mm. and yeah it's it, it like it sounds really boring but if, once you listen no, to it no actually i you gave the same recommendation to me and maybe i had too high of an expectation okay. i don't know i didn't feel the same way as you it wasn't that impressive or engaging for me that episode really but i respect okay. yeah it wasn't okay. but did, yeah. did you know this guy previously before no okay because i know him previously before and i was a fan of him in primary school mm, maybe that's why yeah and um yeah he's like in year seven we were really interested our friends were, were, were like really in, in, interested in black holes mm. and he just somehow write a book about black holes mm. and you know year seven kids we were didn't even know the period table back, back then and we're just trying to see what is a black hole mm. yeah Interesting. You never told me that experience. How did you, mm. like, where did that leave, lead you guys? Uh, well, it was a group project and we can pick our own topic. Mm. And we basically talk about black hole and time travel. Mm. And it was a super interesting idea. Like, come on, time travel. <laughs> like, you only see that in novels. And somehow... Um, it's real. <laughs> no, some some scientists say it's real, and yeah. some scientists say it like it does not exist. You can mm -hmm. slow down time, but but you can never go go, go back to time. Yeah, it, it's just a very super cool idea for a primary school student, right? And the idea that you know a dark hole can be a tunnel to another universe, mm. and just thoughts like that, just whoa. Mm, okay. Yeah. What are those things called? Wormholes or no? Wormholes, yeah. Yeah, okay. And the second recommendation, it's actually um, quite recent at this podcast. It's called Acquired. Acquired is two, two hosts. Um, they talk about companies that have been successful and the history mm -hmm. of the company, basically. It, whether it's the company itself or the person that's behind the company. Mm. Um, one of the very famous one that they just did is called Taylor Swift. How Taylor Swift was so successful in her marketing. Like, of course, her talent was super good, but without the correct marketing and, and without the correct um, strategies, it she would not be this famous and this mm -hmm. successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really like their episodes on Bitcoins as well. Mm -hmm. They are very, very informative and they have definitely done a lot of re-research. And one of them is an angel investor. Mm. And yeah. Do you want to explain what an angel investor is? Angel investor? I don't know. It's like, um, so you go to a startup, a company, and if they are in a process of want to expand their, their company, they can talk to an angel investor and say, hey, hey, do you want to invest in me? I'm doing this and trying to solve this kind of problem. And if the investor is saying, yeah, I can get behind that and they will just be an investor for the company. So would you say like they're unique because they're independent individuals? Um, they're unique um, because they are well versatile 
people that has opportunities to look at different companies that's starting up. And they have. And why is that different? They are just exposed to like more venture capitalists and things. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. But, but yeah, but they have, they're exposed to more, more people, more stuff, more freedom, more flexibility, more fr- frontier stuff. Oh, okay. And cool. um, yeah, it's super interesting. And they are very good talkers. Yeah, that's one thing that I really. Oh, you're talking about the acquired. Yeah, host. acquired. Okay. And yeah, um, yeah. The one thing that I value the most for a podcast is whether the host is a good speaker or not. Mm. Yeah. Do they interview people or do they just? They bring on guests. Um, okay. If they don't feel like they are qualified to, to talk about the stuff mm. that they want to talk about, mm. they can bring the CEO of the company onto the podcast and let, let them explain uh, what they did and their story about it. Mm. Mm. And the next one is also um, quite recent too. I actually did not, I actually wasn't a big fan of the podcast previous mm. at, at first, but the podcast name is Naval. Mm. It's, Hosted by Neville. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, it's probably because um, his first episode on how he talks about um, how China is not is never going to be a big country. It was pretty early episode. Mm. And that's only proven wrong also. Um, but there are things in there where he talk about, about China that I feel like, yeah, it, it hurts, but it's kind of true. So one of the things that he talked about about China was that China was never um, focusing on innovations. It's always for imitations. Mm. Until, not, until China can break the things where, you know, like energy resources and stuff, where something new and groundbreaking innovation has happened in China, then China will forever be an imitation country. Do you think that has happened? No, it hasn't happened. And one of the things that that he said, China is the country that produces the most graduated STEM students in the world. But none of them have the mind to innovate. Mm. They are all imitating what the technology has already have, like right now. Mm. And he has this quote as saying, one uh, one. One Einstein outweighs a thousand engineers. Mm. So, you know, it kind of is uncomfortable to listen to, but I do see their point because there is a, there is a very deep problem with the Chinese education mm. about what is right that and what is wrong. That reminds me of the meta knowledge, yuan zhi shi idea that Shizuku oh, okay. Mei, is that how Uno? Chizuku, okay. I'm sorry if I'm not <laughs> pronouncing it right. But yeah, I just showed Tianyu the um, Tokyo University opening ceremony speech done by Chizuku Uno. Hope I'm saying it right. Um, yeah, and she talks about universities supposed to be breeding students with mm. um, innovative, innovative minds yes. to... Uh, create new knowledge areas and branch out from what yep. is already known. Mm. Um, yeah, that reminds me of it. Yeah. Naval is like um, saying that chi- China's education is basically um, trying to train well, well-readied workers, not innovators. And 
Yeah, mm. I what see do you think that's point. the reason? Or, yeah, what do you think is the reason behind it? I think just the most efficient way for a very poor country to catch up. I think so too. Yes. Yeah. Given so, the history. Given the history of China, like we were very very poor, and f- that's probably the only way for us to catch up to the first world country, right? Mm. And um, yeah, and I do feel like at some points China needs to fix the education, like like the education side up, so they can produce more innovative students. Mm. But they are doing like programs that encourages people who has acquired high. Education degrees overseas. Yeah, backwards. To, yeah, right? back to China. Yeah, I don't. Uh, okay, it, it, it might help, but come on, you have to focus on your local students. Like mm. you can't just rely on students having education overseas and coming back with a brand new idea. Um. Yeah. 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 But they are supposed to be employed as academics and try to. Bring in new blood, I guess. Oh, right, but that's only in universities, right? But I, I feel in like in both university academic role and um, no, no, not high school, uh, industry. Right, right, right. Yeah, but I do feel like that the thinking of a person is established well enough in primary school and secondary school, and the curriculum is not set for in, for innovative minds. Hmm. Mm, yeah maybe oh. through external competitions maybe yeah, but, yeah yeah and one of the things that i looked at for photography especially is that there was a teacher there was this world, world like the world best photographer that's teaching a course in america and in china he finds that teaching americans are far more difficult because they just want to go to different ways they just want to explore different things and they don't want to remember the rules and the laws and the like the formulas for for, for like a good photo. But for Chinese, but for Chinese students, at first they are very easy to teach. They just take in everything they what they get taught. Mm. But after seven eight years, they look back like the person the person visit back to the students that's in America and in China, and he find that. China students have already give up on the photography, while the American students have about eighty percent of them still goes to their still kept the fa- their their habit of taking a photo. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that I struggle with my own research is um, finding it very difficult to make it really like to really believe that I'm trying to. Do something new and innovative, and going without guidelines. Mm. It's been quite uncomfortable and challenging for me, I guess,、mm. because I have been raised in a system that rewards students for memorizing、yeah. and following <coughs> rules.、Mm. Yeah, and China is not the only country that's that's doing this. Right? Yeah, 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 and a lot of Western countries are are, are doing this to to an extent as, as well, and 
Yeah, we are basically training for workers in the north. But that mm. is and interestingly, like more independent thinking opportunities are only granted to kids that are believed to have intellectual uh, are intellectually gifted as such. Yeah, and is, hmm. and those that are considered intellectually gifted are the ones that was that is good Excel at following in the traditional yeah. system. So you can argue with that. Yeah. That's why, yeah. Okay. So next, moving on, <laughs> but but Novel's podcast is really in depth. Um, he talks about a lot of his ideas, and a lot of his ideas is really really great. Okay. And the next one is a very, like, the first podcast, the first few podcasts I listened to, but recently they have been slacking off, and their quality has been <laughs> going downhill. <laughs> it's not overthinking. <laughs> I haven't listened to their recent Yeah, well, ones. their quality has been lowering down. I do feel like they have. What do you mean by quality dropping? I thought they're just trying to be reflective of what they're doing. So they have, but um, okay. So at first, their Intr- episodes introduce what, what right. So it's is. basically a podcast between um, Ali uh, Ali Abdel and his brother Taymor. Um, at first, they talk about a lot of great ideas, a lot in- insight ideas, and it's it's covered in like a one hour two hour conversation but right now with all the ads with everything in it's only a 30 minutes episode you can't really talk about in-depth stuff in just a 30 minutes episode and they're not i mean of course they can do whatever they want but um i feel like that the quality has been going down okay yeah. Well, but he, Ali has moved his yeah, more inle- yeah. intellectual interviews over to deep dive. Deep dive, yeah, I which I would that. recommend. Yeah, but I do feel like Timur has some really great ideas. So, yeah, oh, I feel ashamed for admitting this, but you know how he says he's a writer. I never looked into his writing, <laughs> okay. so I feel like he probably does share great ideas somewhere, mm. but I haven't really put in the effort to explore them. The- that well, the thing I like about Taymor is that sometimes Ali just say stuff, and people take it mm. because he's he, like the number of like subs that he has on YouTube is pretty big, mm. and people just take his words for it. Mm. But sometimes Taymor just like no, that's what that what, what, what that's BS, mm. and somehow questions his choices. For mm. example, like when Ali wants to do an MBA for Harvard. Mm. And Tim was like, why? Mm. <laughs> and sort of stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-mm. But I appreciate Ali's openness about these things. Is, and he discusses yeah. these with his podcast guests as well. Pretty open. Over yeah. on Deep Dive. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 About like the conventional standards of success yeah. um, and why we want things we want. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. Next one. Why do I want the things I want? <laughs> Next one is called. I think everybody heard this before. It's called the Joe Rogan Experience. Have you heard of okay. it? Okay, yeah, but I never listened to it. Okay, you do want to give an intro? It's basically uh, pretty along the same line as the Tim Ferriss show, mm. but um, yeah, recently he's got into a little bit of a, a controversy with the vaccine statements. But How nevertheless, so? Hmm? how so? Because he had an interview with a guest that basically oh, talked down. Uh, yeah, on you the, told on me vaccine. about that. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Maybe we can listen to it as we do it's the It's got puzzles. taken off. 
Oh no. By by Spotify. Sad. So I'm kind of like Oh yeah. That brings the question of should we like reinforce freedom of speech everywhere? No. The reason why I say that well there the what there was this quote is like um the only way that you can um shut off a truth teller is by shut like like is by it's like I can't I can't remember the quote. It's like the only way that you can shut up the only way that you can seal the mouth of a truth never mind. Just cut that out. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but his interviews are quite good. And um of also he he has interviews with a variety like a variety of different people. Hmm. What's the difference between this one and Tim Ferriss show, would you say? Because I feel like there's a lot of these mm, podcasts mm. at the moment and also yeah, School of Greatness, for example. Mm. Um, yeah, just do you think this kind of stuff is a bit too saturated? Yeah. yeah, well, they're or, definitely... Or, or do they all have actually their own individual niches? Okay. And they definitely do have their overlaps, like like Tim Ferriss and, and the Joe Rogan Show definitely have their overlaps. But I think Tim Ferriss um, focuses a lot more on the individual's life how, why they achieved and why they choose certain choices, what that they choose. And, hmm. right? He, like his thing is to dissect world-class performers mm. rather than their ideas, right? Well, the Joe mm. Rogan experience is talking about the ideas of that individual. For example, Jordan, Jordan Peterson was on both of the, pop, both of the podcast. Mm. Um, on the Joe Rogan experience, Peter, Peter, Jordan Peterson is not, did, he didn't talk about how he came up to the person that, that the, well, he did not talk about why he chose law or politics. Mm. I think that's what he chose. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, his personal experience. Yeah. Or he basically upbringing. talks about his view on the, on the current world right now. Okay. While on Tim Ferriss show, he talked about, his life experiences and mm. why he believes certain things, what he believes. Okay. So do you think it's more useful for people to learn the great ideas versus learning about the actual process? I think um, the first, like talking about the ideas, if you, like, if you just want to know the, know the ideas, sure. But if you're interested in a more in-depth on why certain people believe certain concepts or ideas, then maybe you should dissect their life a bit. Do you think it's useful to do so? Or do you think those people are world-class performers because of certain conditions and their experience is actually not recreatable, to, so to speak? I think you can take into account. Um, it definitely mm. does not 100% like, you know, based on that. But you, you can take that into account. Oh, like people listen to person's life story because they're interested in mm. the person right for example everybody reads elon Musk's autobiography because they're interested in how he came what he became right mm. and actually i think tim ferris does this very well uh, mm. is to try and highlight the patterns that repeatedly come up yeah the systems that repeatedly come come up for people who succeed mm. um which is I guess the bigger sort of lessons that we can learn from and take on and incorporate into our own lives. Mm. It's definitely not feasible to recreate someone else's success, oh, but not. yeah, it's useful maybe to take on those lessons and 
mm. consider yeah applying them to your own lives. Yeah. And the final and the final podcast is basically for fun. The trash days podcast. You're gonna <laughs> <laughs> recommend the trash days. Okay. It is. It is really. Um, when what do you think makes it fun? Good point. I don't know. Um, the reason why I, I like I recommend this is that podcast should not be something that feels like work. And there are certain days where I just don't feel like I, I'm intellect. I'm ready for the A very lesson. informative challenge. Yeah, like yeah. two dads talking to me about life lessons. <laughs> and um, so trash days is pretty. It's ve- like it's very just fun. Briefly talk about what trash days is right, about, if about, you can. Like briefly, it's, a, <laughs> it's about it's an anime podcast. Well, they don't really talk uh, about anime anymore. Be careful there. So it's basically by Joey Gant. It's hosted and Con- by uh, like it's hosted by Joey Gant and Connor. They are three anitubers, anime YouTubers, mm-hmm. and they talk about um, Japan things, um, anime. And YouTuber stuff, mm. and yeah, it's pretty versatile. And their convo sometimes gets really ridiculous, like just about their fights with pizza crust and chicken wings uh, and chicken breasts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a very chill convo most of the time. Yeah, it's a very in, in, in entertaining conversation. Yeah, it feels like you are hearing or you are like kind of joining in a conversation with. Your friends, mm. basically, mm. yeah. It's very lighthearted and just very entertaining. That's all. Mm. What do you think made it more? Do you think they would have had the same success if they weren't the YouTubers no, to begin? They wouldn't. <laughs> because a lot of the listeners, come on, all of them are like three million plus subs. Yeah. And if you get three of the three million plus subs, anyone <laughs> can have that. Kind anyone of can have that success. Okay. Like their main yeah. audience is those that already watched their. YouTube channels and know them. Yeah. yeah, that's why it feels like friends. Yeah, mm. and yeah, it, it probably would not make sense for anyone who just blindly yeah, like click Although, on that. but I feel like some of their episodes with guests talking about unique experiences as mm. any tubers or people in working. I don't know in some in the sort anime of, industry. Yeah, in anime industry, but also that host guy was interesting. As yeah, well. that that interesting. Too. Yeah, so yeah, some guests' stories are very interesting and doesn't require knowing the boys mm. <laughs> personally or having like yeah watch their videos or anything like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay. but out of I only know Joey. Mm-hmm. Oh and, really? Yeah, I only know Joey, and um, but. Yeah, now I say that Gant's videos are so good. <laughs> yeah, he's the OG. Yeah, I know. I know he's the OG, but I I didn't just came up like like across the channel. Okay, but out probably of probably because Joy is Australian. Yeah, <laughs> so probably. <we> recommended. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah. yeah, Gant's videos out of the three probably has the highest quality. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm. he also yeah you can see the effort that yeah. he puts into those, and he's also the. Um, I feel like the dad, the the yeah. big He's brother the of the group. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but not only in the age in the age sense, but also in terms of mine, life experience. Mine age. Life experience, okay, I feel sure. like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the video where he talked about how he ended up uh quitting his job at BBC. Yeah, and then ended up becoming an anime tuber, any tuber. Um yeah, it actually I was I got really emotional watching that video. Mm. How yeah. he asked the parents for money that part um yeah okay 
and also how he basically risked everything for this career that nobody knew how it's gonna end up, yep. how it's gonna go. Nobody even knows anime. Uh, I mean, YouTuber as a was a thing when he put in <laughs> basically all his things in there. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So that's all the podcast recommendations that I have. Hmm. Out of this, which one would you say, say influenced you the most? To the, the, that was well, the Tim Ferriss show. Because okay. How did I, 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 I opened the door to so many different things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I I got the Acquired show and the Vol and the Joe Rogan experience from the Tim Ferriss show. Mm. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Do you, want to, do you want to do yours now? Yeah, but... I think in terms of podcasts, I don't have a lot more to add on. Yeah, so just talk about books um, now. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about books. Did you want to talk about the books that you put in here? Or? Okay, so yeah. because I'm not that big of a reader, uh, mm. I've only posted books that I think will be interesting, that I think I might take a chance to read at. I thought you did have a couple other biographies that you previously read and recommended to me. Um, no, sure, but you don't. If you don't want to mention, so sure, but I didn't really find them that entertaining. Entertaining, like okay, <laughs> that in, sure, that like bad blood is probably the only one. It's like it would like it's not life changing. It's basically like mm. a recount of what happened, mm. and people read it. Sure, they have a new story in their like in their folder, but without knowing it, like you don't lose too much. Oh, but okay. if people want to get behind personal finance, they should definitely read about the personal finance stuff. One book. Um, how to turn well, how to turn money into wealth? No, the ones that I have in my mind is I will teach you to be rich, but only read the beginning of it, not the <laughs> later part of it. Because the later part of it, he really focused on credit card turning. And that's not applicable anywhere else other than America. So. Okay. Mm. I think one of the OG books is called Personal Finance, semicolon, <laughs> How to Turn Money into Wealth. Okay. And yeah, it has several editions even. And the mm. most recent one's sixth edition. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Right that people can get into it's very entry level i think like a you know beginner to pro kind of beginner's guide kind of book mm. um what else was on my mind actually when you mentioned it oh i think i forgot but yeah keep going maybe okay. i'll remember so the first book that i think would be interesting is uh, what they forgot to teach you at school it's by the i don't know what i don't i, I can't remember who's it by oh the yeah, the, the school, school of life, right? Yeah, school the school of, of life. life. Yeah, I I flipped through it. I I flipped through the content. I think the school of life in itself is quite interesting. How did mm. people come together and make it? Because they see a problem with with education, like yeah, that that you that the, the traditional education didn't didn't set them up for write a resume, how to find a job, how to be good at interviews. Yeah, would you be interested in joining them? <laughs> I will have a look. Sure. Um, yeah, that's a great book. It's got some personal finance stuff in there because that's important and that's what they don't teach you at school. Mm. And the next one is, I just simply like the title, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Oh, 
Mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty famous book. Mm-hmm. And I flipped through the first few pages. It's basically a the best lawyer in, in America find that, you know, that was not the value that he wanted to have mm. after he had a very fatal heart attack in the court. So, yeah, it will be fun. Mm. And the next one is the one that I recommended you. Wait, fatal heart attack? Like, no, no not fatal. <laughs> like, <laughs> life-threatening. <laughs> sorry, life-threatening heart attack. Uh, it's a ghost story. <laughs> so, the last book is the one that I recommend you. It's called Freakonomics. Mm. Freakonomics. It's basically talking about economics ideas in everyday life. And I think it's For a example. Why is milk priced a certain way? Why has Coke never raised the price for, for the last 200 years? Not 200 oh. years. For <laughs> 50 years, right. I would say. Right. And the same kind of category is called the economics naturalist. It's also another book. Um, in China, like in China, it's like it's a lot more famous. It's called Niu Nai Kele Jing Ji Xue. No. Oh, okay. It's a very catchy title. Like yeah. people pick it up. But, but, but Freakonomics is the one that's the newer boy. And mm. um, yeah, I think it would be I interesting I also read. like the ideas in Die With Zero that okay. I recently came across. Yeah. In one of Ali's videos, book recommendation videos. Mm. Um, yeah, it's about the ideas of tiring with zero. Right. Mm, yeah, not leaving any money behind. Okay, you can talk about it. And the final book that I recommend, that I'm currently reading myself, is Slam Dunk. Yeah, no, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> what about it that really attracts you? Slam Dunk, uh, I think Eddie. I think most people know what Slam Dunk is. And, um, no, just oh, it's a manga. one line. It's a manga that talks about basketball. And it's probably, it is the best sport manga ever written. Mm. And if anyone, even if you don't, are not interested in basketball, I can promise you after that, you will like this book. You will like this series of manga. Okay. <laughs> Why so? Be- you like... I can't tell you any, any everything, otherwise it like yeah, will spoil it. Okay, how about use three adjectives that comes to mind? Really sure. I don't know how to blood boiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's very entertaining. It's very emotional, and the characters are built so well, and the artist is so okay. That's more than yeah, three. Cut. <laughs> so it's like very it's everything you want to have in a good manga. book. Oh. And like in a like in a good story, it's okay. all there. Right. If you yeah, it's like sure that that's all. The reason why I'm rereading it because I watched the anime parts and parts. I didn't really have a fluid entire thing, so I'm reading it from oh. one to till, till the end. And because the final movie is gonna be out this year, and I really want to watch it, so you have to finish it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Cool. Now yours. Yeah. Should be a quick one because a lot of this. Okay, so the main thing why main reason why I wanted to blend this book rec section into our podcast section podcast um, rex um, episode <laughs> is because yeah over the past few weeks I have been 
slacking off for reading. Um, besides the scientific kind of reading, I have, I like, I want to make sure that I get in about seven to ten hours a week at least for reading non-scientifically. And yeah, it's, why? Um, because there's a lot of books that I want to read, but I haven't just, I just haven't been putting in the right system to make sure that I read them to mm. get it read. <laughs> right. Does audiobook yeah. help you? Sorry? Does, does having audiobooks help you with that? Uh, or honestly, do you think I that, think it might, but also. Or do you think that you like the act of reading itself rather than listening to people read into you? Well, um, the thing is, if you have seen Ali's uh, video about comparing the different reading methods, I do still prefer Kindle the most for two main reasons. Actually, probably three. The first one is ability to get free samples for all the books that's in the Kindle store. So I like being able to have a taster before buying the whole book um, and sometimes I actually do decide after reading the sample that I don't actually like the writing style or the stuff the, the book itself Okay. Um, so I think that's super helpful the second thing is being able to use the dictionary without any mm, okay. friction yep. uh, yeah being able to look up words the it's how do I explain it it's just this function that kindle has where you mm. uh, just highlight the words and they will give you the dictionary definition yeah. which is super helpful um, especially since english is my second language and the third one which is definitely missing from the kindle experience as well uh, not kindle sorry the audiobook experience as well is being able to highlight and uh, send yourself all your highlights keep a record of it and send yourself the highlights okay and you can do notes as well. Mm. Um, I don't, yeah, the reason, I don't find myself highlighting too much in books. Um, I just get absorbed in the reading itself and forgot to highlight. Uh, okay. Does that happen to you at all? No, I think if a, I don't highlight a lot either, but if there okay. is a quote that really resonates with me, I do remember to highlight okay, it. Right. Like, come on, are there moments that when you're reading that you are like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there has been. And yeah. not all the books have that wow moments. And that's fine. Not, like, I'm not saying that you have to highlight Yeah, like th throughout my books, I've only, like the most that I've highlighted it is Atomic Habits. Mm. And, and you didn't even recommend it. <laughs> oh, sorry, Atomic Habits. Wait, <laughs> Everybody recommends Atomic Habits. Yeah, go on. Atomic Habits has the most highlights for me. It's probably because the first habit book that I came up across. And also it's written very well. It's very yeah. highlightable. It's v anybody can read it and everybody, like even a high, like high school student can read, I'm pretty sure. Mm -mm. Like the language that, that he uses is not that hard. Mm. There's just a lot of classic quotes from it, I feel like mm. as well. Whereas a lot of Actionable other, advice as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas mm. a lot of other books, um, it's not really full of those highlightable, as highlightable quotes as Atomic Habits have. Oh, I forgot to one book re recommendation. Say it, yeah. It's the Jordan Peterson's one, the 12, ru the 12 Rules of Life. Do you think it's a bit outdated though? It's not. Okay. I feel like that's a great book, but not his second book. I hate, I don't, I'm not really a big fan Did of Did you read the book. whole book? Yes, I have. And, okay, tell us why you want to recommend it. 
Um, so he presented 12 rules and I do feel like it's very applicable to the current society. For example? For example, like cleaning your room. I know it sounds really, really weird. No, don't say that. Just present your case and uh, it's up to us to judge. Clean. It's basically he said that without a clean room, mm. you... Okay, people with a very messy room should be very careful about leading the Delta world. It's like, even if, like, if you can't get your life in order, then how are you going to efficiently sort out the Delta world problems? Mm. And, um, yeah, he is a very. Is that the rule? Well, one of the rules? Yeah, like, it's one, like, it's one of the rules, yes. Okay. And he is a very debatable character. And, um, but certainly his, his, some of his views are definitely worth knowing. Yeah, mm. that's all. Okay. I'm cool. done. Um, so how do I pick <laughs> this up? Oh, I'll finish off on talking about Atomic Habits maybe. Sure, sure, sure. And yeah, so it's a book about how to build systems, um, and habits. <laughs> that was probably the worst. It is. <laughs> one line intro yeah. to Atomic Habits. Anyways, um, I think, I still think that quote wraps us up, wraps the core idea of the book up pretty nicely, which is, um, it came from, it came directly from the book and it's, you don't rise to the level of your goals, so you, you fall to the level of your systems. Yeah. I think, yeah, that wraps up what it's essentially it it about. Is. Yeah. So it's about how y- you don't work <laughs> by trying to, oh, yes, it ties in nicely. Mm, how do I link it? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a good system of talking about this book list that I have at the yeah, it's moment. It's okay, it's a book list. <laughs> I guess. Okay, I was going to leave this for later for, I guess, the more autobiography uh, category. But I think what ties in nicely um, with what I've read so far in the book called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, an idea that ties that really caught me in this book was um, uh, surrounding the notion of having a bucket list. So a lot of self-help books tends to tell people, you know, sit down for 20 minutes and write down everything you want to achieve in your own life or formulate this so-called bucket list, Mm. the list that you want to achieve before you kick the bucket. However, kick the bucket. Yeah, that's why it's called the bucket okay, list. Kick okay. the bucket means die. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right, uh, sure. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, where was I? So, yeah, so people tend to come up with very extensive lists, but this actually never prevents people from imagining that death is something that's very far. Mm. Yeah. People often, often, yeah, people often place themselves, um, how do I say The this? idea of death yeah. is never like occurred to them. Even though it's fine, it's gonna be the destination for everyone. Yeah, even though we all have finite lives, mm. people put themselves in a very far distance. Yeah. They imagine themselves to have more, a lot of years to live. Yeah. But actually, it you does. don't really know mm. what's going to happen. Um, and oh crap, let me. No, just like just think about it. The, what well, the number of hours that you have that a person has to live. It's not that much. It's only in the 10,000s. Yeah, but actually these exercises do not help people to <laughs> really? realize how short. Yeah, at least for me. 
It doesn't. Okay. Do you think thinking about the number of hours actually helps you to realize how short your life is and how you should act now? Um, it give me it give me this. Uh, it give. So have I told you about how when I turned twenty three that I felt like oh shit I'm in my twenties. Yeah, but so like after that thought, did anything else change? Probably not. Yeah, exactly. But that, but that initial thought is quite scary for me. Yeah, but that's it.、Mm. So wait, let me. F- I have to find this quote. Sorry. Okay, I think I'll read this part.、Um, so often people think about bucket lists when somebody close to them dies, or you know, like telling you having realizations as you age around the time that your birthday comes,、um, and that's what happened for Candy Chan, an artist who in twenty nine two thousand and nine created a space in on a public wall in New Orleans with the prompt "Before I Die." Dash. Within days, the wall was completely filled. People wrote things like, "Before I die, I want to straddle in the international dateline." What? What's that? Straddle the international dateline. Before I die, I want to sing for millions, etc., etc. You get the idea. So people actually put in things、um, on their bucket list. Um, and also soon, the idea spawned over a thousand such walls all over the world, etc. So more quotes of people's bucket list. And however, so here's the part that follows that really struck me when I was reading this. She says, "I don't know if people follow through, but based on what I've seen in my office, so the writer is a so the author of this book is a therapist. Sorry, I should have given a better introduction. No, no, no. The writer okay, is like, a therapist. Just, she like, says, but based on what I've seen in my office, a good number may have had momentary awakenings, <laughs> which is what you just said.、Oh. Done a little soul searching, added more to their lists." And then neglected to tick things off, and the quote is: "People tend to dream without doing. Death remaining theoretical." So I think we all know that death is bound to happen,、mm. but yeah, we tend to have great ideas and dreams and grand schemes for ourselves, but never putting them to real action. Okay, and that's also. Yeah, it's just it feels so sad to me,、um, because I also do the same. I'm like a lazy slum most of the time. I dream without doing. I think about all the valuable things that I want to achieve in my life, and would be very sad if I don't. However, I don't、um, actually be trying to achieve it. Yeah, put them、okay. into action often enough.、Mm. So that's one aspect in this, and so I wanted to recommend some books on about values and how to lead a meaningful life as such. And I feel like a entry level book, although it's not that comprehensive, but it does at least make you think about this. is called Think Like a Monk, and yeah, I recommend this as an entry level because it's very accessible to anyone who wants to learn more about values. What does the book talk about? It talks about how to think like a monk, <laughs> and and how to. Oh, I think there's a subtitle. Is this about philosophy and a Buddhism? The subheading is training your mind for peace and purpose every day. It's about how to.、Uh, Find purpose in your life, and how to get shit done. <laughs> oh, okay. 
and how to train your mind. Um, yeah. So, so the author so, Jay. So it's a productive book, like a like a productivity book. Um, I would say, especially the first half, really gets to you to think about how you are doing. What are you doing with your time right now, and how could you do better? How could you? Um, stop all the distractions around you and focus on your purpose. Okay, then uh, how is that anything to do with monks? Oh, yeah, that's what I was trying to get yeah. to. So it's written by Jay Shetty. So he actually spent time as a monk, yeah. training as mm-hmm. a monk. Um, and he in this book, he basically distills the monkly wisdom that he learned as a monk into practical s- steps that anyone can take um, every day to live a less anxious, more meaningful life. Okay. Mm. Right. Because I don't, I don't see the connection between productivity and monks. But Why so? Do you feel like monks are not being productive? No, 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 no. I do feel like that monks. Okay. So monks do the thinking. Okay, so because so like a like a like a little bit of a background. My mm. dad is a, a Buddhist, mm. and his friend, um, in the younger days, accidentally got into drugs, and so and my dad says if you do like if you don't wanna lose anything, like 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 if you don't wanna lose everything, then you uh, definitely need to quit the drugs. So, the friend basically shaved his head and went to the temple for two years, and he came out clean. Hmm. So, at least from my experience, I I slept in the temples and stuff. Um, monks don't really think about productivity; they think about what's more important to life, mm. and what's more valuable to life. Yeah, and why why we do certain things that we do, and why we. It's basically they think about the think philosophical about stuff, yeah. yeah. And Jay, I don't see how how, how the product, productivity stuff ties in with it. Okay, so Jay thinks um, so. The reason that he wrote this was because he thought the monkly ideas, monkly thinking, can be adopted, can be learned by anyone to mm. improve their own lives, mm. right? So. In this book, he talks about like how to overcome negativity, how um, to use your fear, how to learn from everyone you meet, how to find your purpose, okay, yeah, sure. how yep. why you All can't good. find happiness by looking for it. Yep. He believes that if you if everyone finds their purpose, a good purpose to work on, to and a meaningful goal to work towards, they mm. will lead a more purposeful life, and that will bring them true happiness. Okay. And also, that will probably make someone more productive because okay, you're right, working right, towards okay, that sure. goal. Because I, you're actually putting the time into the things that you value. Okay. I thought the, the productivity advice that you were talking about was like waking up <laughs> with a Pomodoro bell or something. Oh, <laughs> sorry. No, no, sorry. That is, I don't think that's the definition of productivity. Okay, sure. I think productivity is doing something that is meaningful. Okay. Yeah, with your life, with your time and energy. I think that's being productive. Okay. I don't think productive necessarily means hacks and techniques. Yeah, or okay. even working like for I don't know, 12 hours, 14 hour days and like That's toxic productivity. Yeah, mm. yeah true. That's toxic productivity. Mm, yeah. 
I, I can be I can get behind that definitely. Yeah, and it's also a very short audio book that is very easy for people to get started on. It's kind of the writing style reminds me of James Clear, um, okay. as in it's quite actionable. Mm. You know, he teaches you things like, for example, reflect on how much time you actually spend on each of the activity that you now do, but also reflect on what your actual values are around. Um, everything, your daily tasks, your lives. For example, what do you value in relationships? What do you value in your life? Do you want to be a good partner? Do you want to be a good teacher? Do you want to be someone that makes a difference in the world as such? Like, what do you value in life? Um, and then how much time are you actually dedicating to achieving those values? Mm. On a day-to-day -day basis, if you value in, for example, being a good son, how much time do you spend with your family? How much time do you spend talking to your parents and, you know, generally showing love and um, compassion, etc. That mm. kind of stuff. Yeah, which I think is practical and useful for anyone to start on if you want to think more about life purpose and mm. meaning. Being more life. mindful. That's well. That's what I got from it. Mm, yeah, and another very important thing is happiness. You don't, you don't get it by finding it, by looking for it. Mm. Yeah, you create your own happiness. Okay. Yeah, and related to this is another book. It's actually a fiction. It's a novel called The Midnight Library. I think it was one of the number before. one novels yes, for good reason, like last year or the year before, something like that. And The Midnight Library, I would say, in a nutshell, is about. Um, mm, it's also kind of about how to have a meaningful life but it's also about how to deal with opportunities and regrets and how you always nobody has is going to have a perfect life and yeah so this essentially this story is about so this girl who passed away she enters the midnight library and in this library she has uh just like limitless books about every opportunity she might have had um in life okay the different lives that she could have had and then so if she chooses to read them she can find out about what would have happened if she made a different choice at the different crossroads in her life Okay. And then, yeah, sounds, basically, sounds interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's it made me um, think about how basically you can never really fulfill. You can never really have a perfect life. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, and essentially, you kind of just have to deal with the deck of cards that you no, kind of no. You you but you again, you create your own meaning. Meaning, you lead your own life mm. and. I feel like that's the and, key message for me. And I think the Midnight Library is free on Spotify, the audiobook. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Well, yeah. Is that <laughs> legally or? Yeah, legally. Oh, yeah. okay, interesting. Um, yeah, and I thought of this again because recently I've been reading the Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And there is a very famous, I think it's an essay that uh, the author quotes in the book called Welcome to Holland. And basically, Welcome to Holland is about, so you, you have planned a fabulous vacation trip to Italy, Italy, however you pronounce it. Like you buy a bunch of guidebooks, you make your wonderful plans, and you, yeah, plan on all the places that you want to visit and you prepare everything 
to for this trip to Italy. However, um, like after months of anticipation, the day finally arrives. Off you go, and then several hours later, the plan the plane lands in Holland. So, and then um, does that make sense so far? Yeah. So yeah. and yeah. So the plan. Uh, so the sorry. Yeah, so you get disappointed and you get shocked by how you ended up in Holland. But there's been, um, but the important thing is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine, and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks. And you must learn a whole new language and you will meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. However, it's just a different place, you know. It's slower paced than Italy, less flashy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills and Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. I don't, I don't know if I pronounce that right. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy and they're bragging about what a wonderful time they had there. And for the rest of your life, you will say, Yes, that's where I was supposed to go. And that's what I had planned. And the pain of that will never, ever, ever go away because the loss of that dream is a very, very significant loss. But if you spend your lifetime mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. Okay. So, yeah, this is about how when life doesn't turn out the way you want it to, um, you have a choice between being stuck in agony and slowing down, trying to live the life that you have and appreciating the good things about it, about what you have. Yeah. And it's very applicable to everybody, I think, because everyone at some point in their life will have things turning out unexpectedly and you long for the opportunities and the things that you could have done rather than where you're at, um, what you have right now. And you, yeah, don't appreciate them. Don't appreciate, don't appreciate them as much. However, yeah, you actually do have the choice of what kind of life you can have. Yeah, cool. So um, I think I also recommend the third door. Do you want to talk about it? third door i haven't read that but i think oh, I've okay it. so it's based like a novel but actually the author actually did go out to interview everyone yeah yeah, yeah. oh and yes 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 he yes, interviewed yes, 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 yeah. world-class performers and like bill gates yeah bill gates, lady yes, gaga yeah yeah lots of people and how it's about his journey on the interviews and how um essentially every world-class performer that we see has a common thing between them is that they've taken the third door mm. um you can you want to explain the first door and the second door oh, okay my memory has faded a little bit but the first door was waiting in line like normal and yeah. there may be like a huge queue mm. to get through before you can enter yeah whatever beautiful flashy building you Those want to go into. Those are the people that into. work hard in the traditional system in yep. a sense. Yeah. And, and the, the second, second door. door is kind of paying the tip yeah, <laughs> to the to the door yeah. guard. Yeah. It's yeah. basically um, saying those that are 
fortunate people that is born rich, born born or, born rich, or have more opportunities or naturally, have like extraordinary, yeah, like yeah. gifted naturally, mm. yeah. And most people don't fall into the second category. Mm. Um, so, however, yeah, third so one. yeah, so the author says, however, there is a third door that you can consider, which is. Going in whatever other way there is, but really, really going after it. You can break the window and essentially just jump in um, because you want it so badly, and you really like put in the effort, dedicate your hours and your time, and just go after the goal. And yeah, he talks about these kind of third door situations with the people that he had interviewed, and the whole book itself. The fact that he has just Quit his university degree as a, I think, a pre med, um, and decided to go on these interviews and write this book was in itself the third door for this author. Okay, yeah. wow, I, I didn't know that. Oh really? Yeah, I thought it was quite pretty obvious. I didn't read. I haven't read, oh. I read the book, okay. so probably I don't have the but I like the background. Story yeah, yeah, yeah. Although it's set out like a novel, the yeah, person yeah, yeah, actually yeah. did it yeah. himself, and I just thought everything that he had chose because mm. of this path that he committed to was in itself his own third door. And his guest choices are pretty interesting too, from Bill Gates to Lady Gaga. <laughs> because. Yeah, initially when he was starting off, he didn't really have much of a choice. It was just all the different opportunities that led him to finally to Bill Gates, which was who he set out to um, interview. Final goal, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, that was like the big boss for him, <laughs> and he had to navigate his way there because yeah, he was just a normal college student without any connections. Yeah. That so interesting book, interesting read, and you can, yeah, think about how to implement some of those thinking skills into your own life as well. Mm. Mm. And yeah, for autobiographies, I'm still uh, uh, on my way. So about a fifth, only a fifth through. Maybe you should talk to someone. So I have recommended it in terms of achieving your bucket list, getting your shit done, and also do not spend your time like reminiscing the things that you could have and focus on living the life that you do have. But actually, the most interesting thing that attracted me to start reading this book, maybe you should talk to someone, is the other side. So she tells the story from the therapist's perspective of how they think when they talk to their patients. Um, yeah, which is super interesting. So I think... At the heart of it, there's like a bit of psychology that everyone can learn from this. And it's just super interesting. Yeah. Do you have any questions? No. Okay. Um, and then in the same autobiography category, the other two books that I want to recommend are firstly, When Breath Becomes Air, because this is the book, super accessible again, easy read. And this was the book that got me back into reading again. Okay. So I have been recommending it to, yeah, everyone. Um, I heard it's amazing. Uh, it's, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what have you heard about it? Well, my dad has read it. Mm. And um, so what? So I asked him what, what he thinks about it. He mm. just like, ah, oh, being doctors is so tiring. <laughs> mm. Doctors are so, they sacrifice so much. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the well. That's what he told me. But oh, um, okay. 
Well, this is actually like autobiography and memoir, I guess, mm. of the author who has passed away because of cancer in his 30s, I believe. Mm. Mm. And some of the choices that he meant, uh, the life that he has lived and the choices that he has made at the towards the end of his life. Mm. And it's very... It's a really heartbreaking story. Um, yeah. I definitely was hit by the emotions several times during the reading experience. Um, but it's also very easy to read again because it's a very well-told story. Mm. Um, but one thing that has... Um, I haven't reread the book since I read it for the first time, but maybe I think I will because... At the time, reading Would you it, buy the book? I did buy the book, yeah. Okay. Would you buy the hard copy book? Put it on the I shelf? I bought... Oh. I don't think I would buy any hard copy okay. book. Sure. Unless it's like a utility book. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. I prefer having digital versions mm. and saving us. <laughs> <laughs> sure, saving us. Uh, but I did buy the hard copy as a gift uh, for yeah, two friends. Um, what was I? Oh, there was one thing that at the time of reading it a couple of years ago that I didn't quite understand, which was he chose to have a child at the end of his life. And he, yeah, passed away when his daughter was still a baby. Okay. Mm. Yeah, you told me about it. You just don't understand why he made that choice? With yeah. his wife? I mean, his wife, I, I, I understand that they talked about this and the wife would have um, made the choice, like would want to have the kid as well and would look after the kid, etc., even after he passes away. But still, I feel like, mm, yeah. You're kind of leaving a responsibility behind. To other people and also right. the child would never... Experience a dad. Yeah, the, all the child has about the dad is this book, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a bit sad. <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah, maybe a little bit selfish to, yeah, to, to It's do the couple's this. choice. So, yeah, okay. I guess. It's between the couple. I would have agreed with it more. And actually, I don't remember 100% of how they made the decision because, as I said, I read it a long time ago. But I was thinking if they made the choice when they didn't know whether how long he would survive, then I would understand because if they choose they ha if they had chosen chosen not to have a kid um not knowing how long he would live then you basically you have the possibility of maybe he would have lived like for a, a long, long time yeah. no no for a long time and healthy and like okay. always wondering what would have happened if they did have a kid you know right However, if they didn't know that he could only live for like a year or 10 months or something like that, then, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you don't have to like <laughs> agree, agree with, with every decision, yeah, of course. Of yeah. course, yeah. And yeah, I mean, the whole idea about reading autobiographies or watching movies this kind was to learn about different people's lives. I feel mm. like you don't necessarily have to um, have meaningful lessons yeah. from these kind of books yeah. and movies yeah. and so the other book that i recommend in this category is educated by tara westover again how did you he he hear about this book oh it's just very famous 
Okay. Yeah. I and recommend it to you. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I got the recommendation from Bill Gates. Uh, I don't think that's what got me into it. I got into it because this book, um, because it was so big and famous, a lot of people read it. And there was also a lot of uh, people raising the issue of, I learned nothing from this book. Okay. There's nothing, no like actionable advice from this. I feel like I didn't get anything out of it. Like yeah. there was some comments like this. And so I heard um, this, uh, I guess a YouTuber, but it's on the Chinese media, um, talk about this. And she was like, well, actually, you know, you're not always supposed to learn something from books. I don't think this was a book meant for. That was for. like, yeah, it's not necessary. Yeah. It's not meant for learning. Um, it was literally just sharing about her experience and maybe mm. that's enough. Maybe it's enough of a value in itself to be able to bring a different worldview to someone who has never had this sort of experience or remotely close because it was really, really a unique story of her upbringing yeah. and her personal life. Mm. And it's the way that is written is also super, super well done. And like, I have never, I think, yeah, I have never read something so well written before. Mm. And yeah. Um, it was in the recommendation for the Bill Gates Notes yearly mm. recommendation. It was on the top one. Mm. And last year, Bill Gates actually got to like talk with her. Mm. And they had a chat. And it was like it's on the YouTube channel, on Bill Gates' YouTube channel. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know the rest of it. But for me, it was just... It was a non-fiction written like more fictional than anything else that I've read. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I don't think it's got so interesting. Like I, I, I don't think it had the recognition b b before Gates actually recommended to everyone. Oh, I don't know. It was maybe, maybe it was already a um, New York Times New York Times bestseller or something though. Okay. Because when because yeah. okay sure Never it's mind. super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend. And then I guess I just wanted to wrap it up by sharing some books that I've started to read and I want to read this year. Okay. Um, yeah, so first one's Unconditional Parenting. <laughs> we have been putting off. I haven't. I've been reading it, but okay. slowly. And yeah. And also, reading Maybe You Should Talk to Someone reminded me about this again because, uh, yeah, there is also parenting stuff because parenting really does form your um like your initial psychological psychology this is a well this is a first interaction that whether your whether your kid has with anyone yeah right? and it just really forms someone shapes someone into the person yeah. they are oh and actually tim ferris recently shared that meme on instagram which i thought was so funny it was like Two workers, like, you know, when people, um, how do you say, it? like, make walkways, pavements or yeah. out of concrete. Yeah. They basically put them, hoist themselves over the concrete yeah. th that's still wet yeah. in, like, wooden planks. Yeah. And it's, so the top image is two workers, like, in midair trying to make it perfect and flat. Mm -hmm. And the caption was, therapist doing the job. And the second picture was a cat walking through the um, wet, mm. like still hasn't formed like concrete or cement, whatever you call it. 
and the caption was the parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a super interesting insight into how huh. therapy um, actually works to reshape someone, someone's behavior and like psychological. Mm. One of the quotes and there's like, um, how do you want your kids to be when the person asks that book, like a bunch of parents, right? Mm. And some parents, most parents answer with like confident, um, valuable mm. and um yeah, those sort of words, but none mm. of the parents talk about well behaved mm. and well like that kind of stuff. Mm. But um it's probably a difference in culture, but when you ask that question same to the Chinese parents, well behaved is in there. Mm, I don't think so. Tinghua is 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 a trait that most parents want their kids to have. No, that's what they all want. I feel like underneath, like in reality, in terms of how easy it is to take care of the child, they want ch children to be well behaved for their own convenience. Even even if it's like older, like when your kids have have grown up, you just like a lot of Chinese parents would want their kids to be well behaved and listen to them because yeah they want the they option. want that for convenience however the actual qualities that they really value that they say uh like things like having a good career having a good family like it's the contradiction it's similar contradiction happens within they don't let their kid have a relationship in high school or university but straight out of university they expect their kids to be married yeah, that kind of thing they want their kids to listen but they don't know like they contradict themselves. Know, they want their kids to listen, but they also want their kid to have successful career, be independent thinkers, mm. and be able to make their own success themselves. Yep. Right? It's all out of convenience, really, for themselves, yes. for the parents themselves. Yes. And actually, in maybe you should talk to someone. The idea is that most parents do satisfactorily. They don't uh, deliberately go out of the ways to limit the children. Um, and harm them in that such Of course, way. no parents would want it. Yeah, however, uh, yeah, it really varies how, how they do. Mm. Um, and uh, it's not about, um, it's not about being angry or emotional or blame the kind of um, behavior or like kind of upbringing that your parents have had given you but rather about how you deal with it and how to improve yourself and do the adjustments mm. once you have this that what well, this reminds me so you know how i went to like a lot of volleyball trials right mm. this this is taking is going to be so long but it's okay so you so you know how i so actually went to volleyball trials since mm. my actual volleyball experience is only around three two months mm. right and my dad's was basically like mocking me as like some, like if you, like if you start in the first year of uni or like in high school, then you have, may have a chance at volleyball trials. Mm. Then, you know, that people that you're competing against have already got three, four years of, of, of volleyball experience. Mm. Why? Of course you're not going to make the trials. I'm like, but I don't want that to be like a already because like an excuse almost because I have less experience. Therefore I shouldn't try my hardest and just be okay. Like this is it. Mm. And yeah, I was calling him out. And, and also there's nothing stopping you from spending more time, like changing the future. 
You don't have control of the past, and, but you can. And, and I say that if I go into、mm. the court, play against someone with a far more experience than I am, thinking that because he's got more experience, therefore I will be worse than them,、mm. then I feel like I already lost without even starting the competition. And yeah, my mom was full on back with me on that one, because、mm. my mom is also a very true believer in like you should not feel like a loser before you even start. You should、mm-hmm. always challenge someone, even though you have a very slow chance of getting in.、Mm. Okay. Do you know what I mean? To me, I what I got out of that was more about you still have what's ahead of you to take control of. You shouldn't, yeah, like you said, use that as an excuse to not even. Yeah,、try. yeah. Well, my my main thing is that I should not accept a defeat without、mm. actually begin the competition.、Mm. Of course,、okay. some people are definitely going to be more skilled and more. Yeah, and actually, in life, there's always going to be someone more skilled than you in every aspect. Exactly. So,、mm. if you just go onto the court, if you just enter the competition、mm. without trying your best,、mm. you, you you like the chance of you getting in is going to be zero. Then,、mm. so don't accept defeat. Even before the match has started,、mm, and losing is better than not doing anything at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was just、uh, like on top of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Good, but very different. Ninety <laughs> degrees. No, 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 no. Like,、okay. like I was thinking about the meme of the cat. Like my dad was the cat、oh. in that case, <laughs> right? And I was the therapist. You should go, even though like you might not win. You should just give a trick. No, no, no. Like I always have this mind that there are always going to be a lot of good volleyball players for Division One、yeah. and Two. I know that. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'll show you the meme after. Okay, and just wrapping it up, giving my list just. Has a list now,、uh, so also anxious people. Very interesting writing style. Something that I've never experienced before.、Um, next one's know my name, and then also well, the, know my name. Yeah, what's it about?、Uh, this one、I、haven't started. Oh,、uh, okay, okay. I think、um, because I heard of it before. Yeah, been on a lot of recommendations. Oh yes, so yeah, 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 yeah. She was so the author was、um, sexually assaulted while unconscious at a Stanford frat party in 2015, and、um, and this was her memoir. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, how she overcome that, and oh, so this like little category afterwards. I, I guess I can group them together. Are about more to do with feminism and feministic ideas,、mm-hmm. um, and yeah. So starting with "Know My Name" and then "Becoming" by Michelle Obama,、um, "Bad yeah, Feminist." That's a very good one. Like、yeah. Michelle Obama also. Yeah, and then "Bad Feminist." So this one is very applicable to lots of us, I guess. Like、uh, people who. Think there are feminists, or would like to be a part of the movement, feminist、mm. movement. However, they feel like in a lot of aspects of their daily life, they're not quite living up to that standard.、Um, and yeah, does that make sense? No, it doesn't. So it's like,、mm, like even though we want to be good feminists as such, but what's a bad? F- Like a feminist.、Uh, okay, so for example, is someone taking the idea to? No, no, no. Ban feminist is about being a feminist or wanting to be a part of this 
movement while loving things that could seem at odds with the feminist ideology. Um, oh, cat has been sleeping. Like like pop culture. Um, yeah. It's like, a, um, while, how do you say this? Like enjoying the fruits of very sexist things yep. and ideas, but also wanting to be a part of. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And yeah, lastly is um, misogyny by Chizuko Uno, and also her. Um, I actually don't know if there is an English version of this book, but if I translate it directly, it means um, "Beginner's Guide to Feminism." Okay. It's an interview series done with her, so um, Shizuku and Shizuko. <laughs> that is also it? illustrated as well. Okay. So it's very beginner's guide and right. talks about how um, how this like misogyny manifests in every part of daily life, etc. And why it's important to join the feminist movement. This is it, I guess. Okay. Right. We'll link everything. We'll we'll put the list down in the description. Everybody mm. want if, if anyone wants to check it out, sure they can. Mm. All right, thank you guys for listening to thank this you. very rambly long episode of podcast book recommendation by two people. <laughs> yeah, hopefully something was interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, let us know. <laughs> if anyone's listening, you can let us know like any books that you would recommend. Actually, I'll be very interested in knowing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, thanks guys. See you next week. See ya.